Welcome to Cato Daily Podcast. This is Anastasia Glova, your host. Today is Tuesday, March 27th. President Bush met with Detroit automakers yesterday, praising them for promoting alternatives to gasoline that would make the U.S. less dependent on foreign oil. Chief executives from General Motors Corporation, Ford Motor Company, and Daimler Chrysler have pledged to make half of their new vehicles flex fuel capable by 2012. Congress appears likely to pass legislation to boost ethanol production, but many observers, including some environmental groups, question whether ethanol is truly a panacea against foreign dependence and environmental degradation. Cato senior fellow Jerry Taylor is among the skeptics. So we've had flex fuel vehicles since 1980, and they still remain a marginal presence on the auto market. Why is that? Well, let's put this in perspective. There are 238 million cars on the road today, more or less. Only about 5 million of them are flex-fueled, so a very tiny part of the U.S. auto fleet is flexible-fueled. It doesn't really cost that much more to get a flexible-fueled vehicle, only a couple hundred dollars more. And, in fact, they're available, and if you go to a GM's car lot, you can buy flex-fueled vehicles. They'll sell you a couple sedans, the Monte Carlo and the Impala are flex-fueled, lots of SUVs and pickup trucks. But the reason they don't sell very well isn't because they're more expensive, because they're really not that much more expensive. It's because consumers are, A, somewhat uninterested in them, because most likely, B, you can't find E85 in most service stations around the country. There are about 169,000 of those service stations that sell gasoline. Only about 850 of them sell E85. So you can go out and buy a flex-fueled vehicle. You're not going to have any ethanol to put in it. And then let's assume that you do want to put ethanol in your spanking new flex-fuel vehicle. You're into the problem. C, it's ridiculously expensive to use E85. To give you an idea of that, if you look at the Chicago Board of Trade for next month's deliveries, you'll find that conventional gasoline is selling at about a buck eighty-seven or so a gallon. Ethanol is selling at about two fifty something a gallon. And if you adjust upwards to account for the fact that you only get about three-quarters of the energy content out of ethanol that you get out of conventional gasoline, that makes the differential about a dollar a gallon. So if you're going to put E85 in your tank, assuming you bought one of these flex-fuel vehicles, you're going to spend about a buck more a gallon to do it to get the same amount of energy you get out of conventional gasoline. That's why not very many people are just in these kind of cars. Well, it's expensive because it's so sparsely available. In fact, it's only 1% of fuel consumed by the flex fuel vehicles. That's E85, but that's going to change once the infrastructure changes to accommodate this kind of fuel consumption. No, that's wrong. E85 is expensive because it costs a lot of money to make ethanol, even with the subsidies, even with all of the handouts, even with the consumption mandates. It turns out that according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, it costs about $1.50 in capital costs to build the processing plant that makes your ethanol. And then it adds about anywhere between 96 cents a gallon on top of that to get the corn to make your ethanol. But that was based on 2003 data from the USDA. It turns out today that with corn prices as high as they are, it's a buck fifty plus about a dollar sixty, which is what the feedstock costs are for ethanol. So according to the USDA, looking at 2002 data, it cost an average of about $2.50 a gallon to make ethanol. And that's what the production costs were according to their survey. But that was before the corn price explosion. With the corn price explosion, you add 70 cents on top of that. So now we're looking at about 320 to produce a gallon of ethanol. So ethanol is expensive not because the pumps aren't available, not because the cars are not on the road to consume high blends of ethanol. It's expensive because it's just pretty darn expensive to make corn-based ethanol. How efficient is ethanol? How much energy do you get out of one gallon of ethanol as compared to one gallon of gasoline? 
Well, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, BTU content is such that uh, ethanol only delivers about two-thirds of the energy content of conventional gasoline. So basically that means ethanol has to be substantially cheaper than conventional gasoline before it makes any sense, because otherwise you're just filling up your tank more often. Is there a way to make flex fuel vehicles more marketable and more efficient? Are there incentives that we have not tried? Well, fundamental chemistry prevents it from having a higher BTU rate. So you can triple American subsidies to the ethanol industry, and you're still not going to get a higher BTU content for ethanol. As far as getting it better market penetration, yeah, I mean, if the government goes crazy enough, it can create a whole Potemkin Village market here for ethanol, just like we did for nuclear power. Nuclear power is not remotely economically competitive, but the subsidies are so lavish that we created an artificial industry for it. If the federal government were to go completely mad, sure, we could see higher levels of ethanol consumption in this country, but that's not the right question. The right question isn't whether we could increase ethanol consumption. After all, the government could just mandate we all use ethanol and E85 blends and mandate that Detroit build those cars and it solve its problem. The real question you want to ask is at what cost would increased ethanol consumption be borne by the consumer? And it turns out that ethanol, without the government subsidy and largesse, would just basically disappear as an industry. And the argument that this is a new industry and it needs help and then in the long run maybe it won't if we help it out now is just crazy. We've been making corn ethanol for over 100 years. I mean, all corn ethanol is 200-proof grain alcohol. When I was in college, we called it Everclear. It's pretty close to what you're putting into your car. We know how to build stills, and we know how to make corn ethanol. That's not an emerging technology. That's an ancient technology. If something happens in the processing side of the business to make it cheaper, that'd be wonderful. But then again, that's like asking, well, could we make stills better? We've been trying to make stills better for a long, long time, so it's unlikely we're going to see some major breakthroughs there. E85 is reputed to be much cleaner and better for the environment. Is this claim true? No, it's not. When you hear about the environmental benefits of ethanol as far as air pollution is concerned, what you're primarily hearing are disguised claims about how ethanol reduces the emissions of carbon monoxide from tailpipes, which it does. Question, how many cities in the United States violate federal air quality standards for ambient concentrations of carbon monoxide? Answer, zero. This is not a significant air pollution problem. What you don't hear is that ethanol increases emissions associated with low-level ozone, which we call urban smog. It increases the gross burden of air toxics in the environment compared to conventional gasoline. Its greenhouse gas profile is fairly much the same as conventional gasolines. But if you increase ethanol consumption to meet these mandates or to meet the demand from E85, if that were ever to catch fire because of some bad government program, it would actually increase greenhouse gas emissions vis-a-vis gasoline because, even though it's about a wash right now, if you increase ethanol consumption, you have to increase corn production. And that means migrating from relatively more fertile to relatively less fertile soils. The more you migrate to less fertile soils, the more you need irrigation and fertilizer and other industrial inputs to get commercially viable yields. So a finding from an MIT study recently was that If you expand ethanol production, you are almost certainly going to increase the net emissions of greenhouse gases as opposed to the alternative policy of just forgetting the whole darn thing. So ethanol is not environmentally cleaner. Generally, you hear that sort of big lie over and over and over from farm state legislators and from Archer Daniels Midland, but in reality, it's not true. If ethanol is no cleaner than conventional gasoline and no more efficient, then why is Detroit so gung-ho about this fuel? Well, automakers love E85 and flex-fueled vehicles because the automobile fuel efficiency standards that they have to live by, and just as a side note, these are rules which regulate the fuel efficiency of the cars they sell in any given year. 
if they sell a flex-fueled vehicle, they get to count double its mileage towards meeting federal standards. So if they sell a pickup truck that gets 20 miles a gallon, that's not so good for them. If they put a couple hundred dollars into the engine to make it flex-fueled, because that's about all it costs to convert a conventional engine to a flex-fueled engine, they get to tell the feds that effectively they sold a 40-mile-per-gallon pickup truck. So they love flex-fueled vehicles. They can't get enough of them onto the market. The problem is nobody wants to buy them, so they're looking for the federal government to subsidize them, mandate them, and that sort of thing. It allows them to produce less fuel-efficient cars than they otherwise would have had to produce. So that's why they love this stuff. But, you know, the fact is is that E85 not only is more expensive than conventional gasoline, but there's also an infrastructure problem. In other words, if you want to put E85 in your service station, you can't use the current tanks that you have underground. You can't use the current nozzles and dispensing units because ethanol is more corrosive than conventional gasoline. You have to have a whole new dedicated set of stuff. And it costs about $200,000 for a service station to put in a dispensing unit with like three nozzles on in a row with an underground tank to hold the ethanol. So if you're a service station and you're thinking about E85, even if you found a bunch of suckers who will spend about a dollar a gallon more for this stuff than conventional gasoline, which, by the way, is unlikely, the E85 stations that are currently on the highway hardly sell any E85. The New York Times story a few months ago really did a great job documenting that. But if you wanted to put this stuff in, you got to sell it for about a dollar more than conventional gasoline per gallon, per energy equivalent. But you've also got to spend $200,000 to put in the new dispensing unit, the nozzles, and the underground system just to be able to sell the stuff. So flex fuel vehicles are great if you're Detroit and you want to have a cheap way of complying with the CAFE standards. They're bad for motors, bad for service station owners, unless government mandates them very aggressively or rams them down our reluctant throats. We're not going to see much of this in the future. The majority of support for the Cato Institute's work comes from individuals, and Cato depends solely on tax-deductible contributions to provide the public with a wealth of free resources, including this podcast. We hope you'll consider supporting or even joining Cato. For information, please go to www.cato.org.